Hello and welcome to Start the Beat with Sykes. I am Sykes and this is my podcast. Now, before we get started, I just wanted to take a quick moment to thank everyone who checked out the last episode with Joey and Chris from the band Cousin Boneless. If you're one of the people who listened to that conversation, I hope you enjoyed it and thanks so much for coming back. But for those of you out there who are new to the show, welcome. Please feel free to make yourselves at home. And as always, there's beer and soda in the fridge. Today on the show, we got my friend Cameron. For those of you that don't know Cameron, he is a singer, songwriter, and he is part of the band Lawn Care. And I sat down with Cameron recently And we talked a whole hell of a lot about himself as a musician and creator of artistic things. We talked a lot about his band and other things. You know, you know how the fucking show goes. What's it like doing your art, being a creative person, sharing it with the world in the modern age of technology? Yeah, so that's pretty much where this conversation goes. And it was really, really good. I really, really like talking to Cameron. I really, really like his band. And I think you're really going to like this episode. So, how about I shut up and we get on with it? Sounds good. Sit back, relax, and let's start the motherfucking beat! out the window now because we weren't recording (laughs) but this is like our first time really talking yeah you know we've been in the same room on numerous occasions and we have a lot of mutual friends yeah Yeah, and your name is cameron yeah so you prefer cameron or cam i really don't care okay Uh, i usually go by cameron but that was just because in high school there was another one that one was cam i was cameron (laughs) it was a convenience (laughs) thing i really couldn't care less sure should i get a little closer no you're good cool cool. i can always i can turn it up all right that's the crazy thing about audio but if it's (laughs) too loud yeah i gotcha i gotcha Levere. Yeah. You can you can rub some smarm on it if you want. You can get Levier, you know, whatever, but just Levere. I've considered it, but it rarely comes up, you know. Yeah, I don't I don't really ever need to. Um, are you recording on top? I'm sure not. <laughs> okay, now we're now we're smoking. There hey, we hey, go. hey. I think maybe that microphone's a little shitty. I don't think it's the cable. I think it's just the the input doesn't lock the microphone. Yeah, I got you. I got you. That's pretty dope to have somebody over here that can you know be looking at the computer (laughs) screen and notice that my audio isn't recording. Yeah, I have I have a very uh, baseline audio knowledge. Um, Yeah, not not a whole lot, but well, I think that that's really good for you to do. Or to have, since you are a musician of sorts. (laughs) And I am really, really um, 
vocal on how important I feel it is for independent artists to be like as knowledgeable as they can on all aspects of stuff recording their own music being one of them or at least understanding how it works yeah sure the technology is like too readily available nowadays for people to not know about it i feel yeah i think there's a lot of uh, there's a skill set that you end up picking up whether you like it or not as a musician in terms of like I don't know. It's all the weird, goofy little shit that you never actually have to do, like setting up a drum set. Like, you just, if you hang out with a drummer, you see them, like, do the same actions over and over again. Or, like, I've remarked every drummer I've ever met ends up just learning the bass guitar. Like, they never, they never decide to learn bass guitar. They never <laughs> sit down to practice the bass guitar. It's just this weird osmosis of, like, if you, I guess, watch someone play bass enough, or if you just have one sitting around, it just happens. Like, yeah. Um, and I think it's kind of like that with audio engineering stuff. Like, I, I don't know any of the terms very well. I, I know a handful of things just from being around it. Um, you know, I studied, like, a little bit here and there in like actual formal education but you know looking at a waveform i'm like all right yeah i get the idea <laughs> that's not recording <laughs> if nothing's showing up it's obvious <laughs> not recording yeah you figured out that much so when it comes to playing music i know that you play guitar and you sing mm-hmm. do you do anything else outside of that or do you just kind of come up doing that and you're like this is what i like doing I've done a little of everything. I th- well, not everything. I shouldn't say, but I mean, I was in choir and like when I was in school, I was in band. I was in marching band, concert band. I wanted to go to school for composition for a while. I studied composition at Carnegie Mellon uh, in when I was in high school. Um, so, uh, did you grow up in Pittsburgh? No, 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 no. Um, I uh, the 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 long and short is I was born in California, grew up in Texas lived in Wisconsin for a little while and now I'm back here but my family's all from Pittsburgh so I've been coming to Pittsburgh like every summer since okay. I was a kid. All right. Yeah, it's a little convoluted but yeah. That's fine. Mm-hmm. So you did a lot of music stuff through school. Were you doing music stuff growing up as well or did you come into it like later in life? Um no, I I I started pretty young. I think I started at the age that most white boys do, like that like seventh grade-ish, you know, where sure. where everyone's like getting skateboards and guitars, you know. Um, but I also my I have my dad to thank for a lot of my music stuff. My dad was in a drum was a drummer and he was in bands and stuff when I was a kid. Um so there was always like a drum set around the house, which similarly, that's kinda like I was joking about get their drummers just learn bass. I just kinda like I never sat down to learn the drums. I just kinda can like play them a little bit because they were always around. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, you know, like my dad got me into music pretty young and encouraged me to like learn guitar and stuff. What kind of bands was your dad in? Dad rock. Like my dad is poster child. Like, but at the time it wasn't dad rock. No, I always knew it was dad rock. I no. was like, I was like, it was <laughs> but I like, mean, like for, for him. Oh, for him. Yeah. No, like, hey, no, for he him. He was in what would become dad rock. That's yeah. what you're telling me. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting hearing him talk about it too. Like, have you ever heard like, older people talk about disco like they'll have strong feelings about disco which is weird to me because it's the most unobjectionable like who gives a shit kind of music in the world i'm like it's basically pop music but at the time it was apparently like kind of divisive and they were like the disco people and it was like you were like with them or against them and so my dad will talk about like oh yeah i was really into led zeppelin and i hated that bruce springsteen guy and then i saw bruce springsteen live and i really liked him and i was like how can someone who likes led zeppelin like think Bruce you know what I mean like to me they're 
they're very different. It's very different music, but it's not like weird to like both by any means. No. So yeah, I don't know. It's it's yeah. It, it wasn't dad rock. They were they were like in the same way that like to us, I might be like that's an emo band, that's a punk band. Mm-hmm. My parents and then the generation after us is going to be like that's all that same shit. You know? Yeah. I, yeah, I don't yeah. know. I think uh, subgenres nowadays are way too way too uh segregated and divided and you can I, get lost i think it's just like a lot of people have uh seem a lot of younger people seem to have this stigma against saying like i just like mm-hmm. rock music yeah you know i don't i don't like alternative music i like you know uh some whatever like uh some shoegaze yeah post-punk <laughs> emo thing which sounds cool sure but you know, it's all alt rock. I yeah. don't know why. I don't I don't know why things have to get so complicated. But yeah, so this is <laughs> you stumbled into something that I I, I think a lot about. Uh, after I was going to study composition, I was like maybe musicology, and I'll just like study music in general. And uh, so I think there's so many like great counterexamples from history. If if anyone wants to study history, that's what it's really good for is counterexample. And like, so classical music, most people nowadays are just like, it's all goddamn classical music. Yeah. If you've studied it a little more, you might be like, okay, well, so there was like Baroque and then classical and then romantic and stuff like that. But like at the time, like having one particular like a nocturne like that was a genre you know and like there were people who would be like arguing over whether or not something was a nocturne or not in the same way that we nowadays will argue over like well is it black metal or like (laughs) just kind of blackish death metal yeah and like you know 20 years from now everyone's gonna be like that's dumb as fuck you know it's all metal and i saw i don't know i think it's one of those things if you're not in that you know like culture at that time it's all it all looks like nonsense. But yeah. when you're in it, it's so real to you. Well, I think that with metal in particular, I grew up listening to a lot of metal. Sure. So it's like I will accept like, you know, power metal, death metal, black metal, thrash metal, progressive death metal, Swedish death metal. I understand all these differences. Sure. But now it's like the list has continued to grow since I've stopped giving a shit when I was like 18. Yeah. And now we have like transcendental blackened yeah. black metal doom sludge. Yeah. I'm just like, oh my God. How? Like, but I think it's just this thing where, especially in like a genre like metal, people keep needing to take it to the next extreme. Sure. And you have to find a new way to describe it. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, there was like, I remember when power, power violence became a thing? Yeah. And I was like, this just sounds like grindcore to me. I don't really quite get what the difference is. <laughs> I, but... still, I still couldn't explain it, honestly. <laughs> like, I know, like, power violence, what a band sounds like if they're like, and then I'm like, but I, I don't know what makes them power yeah. violence, really. Yeah, I think I'd, I'm just, like, kind of removed from it now. Sure. Know. Well, but that's another example of, like, it's that cultural context thing, you know? Yeah. If you're, like, if you hang out with a bunch of other bands that call themselves power violence, poof, you're a power violence band. Like, I know a lot of bands that get labeled emo bands because they play DIY music or, like, kind of punk shit, you know? Yeah. It's real easy. Most people I know can just slap punk or emo on their band just because of who they hang out with and the shows they play, not even because of what they sound like, really. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, even just thinking about like myself when somebody's like hey like like what's your stuff like and i'm like well i don't want to say it's hip-hop you know i mean it is but it isn't and then 
you know, <laughs> two minutes later, it's yeah, like, oh, now like, I have one of these bullshit, like, yeah. it's like indie hip hop yeah. slash rock, but not like rap rock. <laughs> I don't know. We, we've had this conversation, <laughs> like the lawn care folks, too many times. Oh, yeah. That the, uh, the album, which I have heard, by the way. Oh, cool. That's cool. Uh, it is really, really awesome. Thank you. You did Thank a really you. good job. You and your whole... I was gonna Gang. say I can't take yeah, that I, much credit. No, but um it sounds awesome and it's very, very diverse. Thank you. You know, it seems like there's a lot of inspiration pulling from, you know, all over the map as much as you possibly could with it still being tasteful and acceptable as like a cohesive body of music. Cool. You know, there are some things that like you listen to, it's like, wow, this is all over the place, but it just doesn't make sense. <laughs> you ever hear Naked City? That's like my go-to band for illustrating that principle. Uh, No, I have not. I know the... No, I don't know that uh, band. John Zorn, I think, is the name of the dude in it. They're, mm. It's like kind of a jazz ensemble like it has like that kind of instrumentation but they they do their shtick is they'll do like four bars of grindcore four bars of jazz four bars of classical four bars of rock like every song is you ever listen to like spastic ink no but that sounds like a good description yeah yeah that's that that was another band that did like real kind of like uh like thrash metal into classical into like early death blasty kind of stuff they're from like the I mean, I'm gonna get my dates wrong, but I'm say like late '80s, early '90s. Like okay. they were, but they were like just off the wall, really musical yeah. kind of. Just fuck it. Sure, it's cool. Like I think it's cool when bands do that, and that's again that I have a feeling this is gonna be a theme of our conversation, Brian. Where like the the whole thing with genre, it's a conversation between artist and audience. So like, <clears throat> you know, if if you play like in a straight up like stereotypical emo song the audience is going and listening to that with prior knowledge of like what emo is and what it sounds like same thing with any other genre so then if you like throw a a ska section in the middle of an emo band the audience most audience members listening to it are going to have like other ska bands as a reference so their brains are immediately going to be like emo and ska okay and that's why i think you end up getting these conversations about like oh it's post-industrial grind sludge emo you know because (laughs) the artists know about all those different genres and they might like all of them they might have them as in mind and then same with the audience the audience might come to that that work with the knowledge of like okay i know these emo bands i know this metal band and you know and so they kind of map that mm-hmm. onto the song and it's this weird like back and forth conversation between artists and I, the culture at large yeah, i think it, it happens with me a lot in a reasonably negative way oh yeah uh not i don't want to say it's negative but you know with me if i'm playing full band with the hip-hop project yeah yeah and i'm playing on shows with other rock bands or metal yeah. bands you know it's real like right away like oh rage against the machine i was about to say or yeah. like right away like limp Bizkit. yeah that and, that's a and it's like I, I get it but it's like that's the like the closest thing to like yeah. this that you're familiar with yeah sykes and the new violence is a great example of that where it's like if without like if if someone is exposed to your music for the first time, I feel like those are the reference that come to mind, like, you know, rap rock, that, that label itself, because you're using elements from rap music and rock music, they're like the words that come to their brain are rap rock. And those have connotations of like a particular group of bands from 10, 15, 20 years (laughs) ago. And that's, you know, there it's like inescapable. It's just in the water. You know what I mean? Uh If you went to, I don't know, 
let, let's say that rap rock as we know it never hit Burma and you go play a show in Burma, they're like, holy shit. Like, this dude is throwing <laughs> together rap and rock. That's never, you know? Well, I feel... <laughs> Side note, I played in Oil City once. Okay. <laughs> and uh, it was like some all-day festival thing. It was the Oil City, like, region fest. They do it, like, every year. I forget. Cool. It's called something like that. We played it. And after the set, like, this guy walks up to me, older white guy, like, head to toe in denim. And, like, I am just, like, part of me is kind of, like, dreading whatever's going to come <laughs> out of his mouth. And he just has, like, this real thick accent. And he's just like, you changed my life. I never seen nothing like that. <laughs> it was just, like, so, like, cool. like, me, like, and his, like, he had, like, a kid who was a little younger. And, like, they just never seen those worlds collide. They were just so, like what the fuck was that? Yeah. And it was so interesting to be yeah. like, oh, like either people compare me to something that is, you know, two decades old, like yeah. you just mentioned, or it's just like, what the fuck was that? Yeah. Well, that's where I think like, I think that's what makes it so hard. I, I should explain, like I'm an anthropologist. I have a background in anthropology. So I like come to everything with this dorky, like social, like science kind of perspective. And I can't escape. It's just in my head now. But that's where I'm like, that's what like makes music. And I guess art in general, like if it, if it were this platonic ideal of like, like artist in room, plain white space with like canvas and paint. And it was just like whatever you made or this like really pure weird idea. Like it's so embedded in, in everything around you and like the culture and you know, how you present the art and, and that sort of thing is beautiful. That's what makes it so fast, you know, like, yeah, which I don't know. I think, I think the, it's a conversation I've been hearing a lot more and participating in a lot more how like social media as, as an example, has just, like, totally changed how people make music. And not just, like, how they get it out there, but how they think about it as they're creating it. And me, whenever I'm making music now, I have to think about it in a different way. Oh, totally. Because of social media. And I think it's happening everywhere. And that's just, like, one thing. You know what I mean? Like, I, 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 I've been thinking a lot about that, too. But I, all, I also wonder, just as we mature as creators and we want to, you know, continue to put out music but try to get it into more people's hands and try to, I don't want to slap like a business label on it, but you know, try to like do something where this could become like monetarily like sustained, you know, and to, to make this thing a thing, Yeah, you know, we're like talking to like a label or something, or we're doing this and that. And ultimately we're just kind of getting more caught up in like the business sense of everything in the game and promoting. Yeah. And that's just like right now, social media is like where it's at with yeah. where, where we are. But I wonder like how different it really would have been, you know, 10, 15 years ago. I, I yeah. think it would have been, I mean, we obviously wouldn't be using social media, but there'd probably be, there's probably some other game that we would have started playing. Yeah. To like, and I'm sure that all of that would be affecting how we, start writing music and how we're uh, catering to like a demographic that we're hoping to penetrate and yeah. uh, be become a part of. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah, that's what I think that's like, that part is not new. You know, that's what I'm talking about. Like, um, like 
Paganini, the the famous violin player, Niccolo Paganini, Italian guy. If you've never heard of him, he he's just the dopest guy. It's like a pet interest of mine. He's just fascinating. Like first punk rocker, he like bucked the patronage system and just did DIY shows, like legit, basically the same way we do house shows. Um, and like he he did all this like really cool stuff to promote his music, basically in the same way that like you know we'll we'll do weird things to promote our music he would like spread rumors about himself saying like oh i got so good at violin because i went to jail because i murdered somebody and then he like <laughs> that was in berlin and then he'd like go to paris and be like oh i sold my soul to the devil that's how i got so good at violin and it's it's like that same kind of like weird manipulative manipulative like thing of like how do i get more people to give a shit about my music and i don't think that's new but um yeah, I don't think that we've turned some corner necessarily. Um, and I think you're right to say maybe it wasn't that different 20 years ago. I mean, you think technology has always had a ton to do with it, you know? Uh, when, like, the invention of the the, for, the original, like, forte piano, they're like, oh, music is different now, and there's no going back. The invention of, like, recorded music fundamentally changed music is different now. You can't go back to making it the way we used to. And, yeah, so, I mean, I, I think that that, consideration in an artist's mind has always had to be there um and that that kind of like embeddedness in social structures and and you know the the culture at large has always been there um and it's just weird now i guess what what the the sensation that we've turned a corner is just for me personally yeah that's what i was kind of saying is like yeah where we are as individuals just Mm -hmm. taking the next level yeah of like you know this is still you know we're still independent artists but like you kind of like if you want to, if you don't want to, like, we're trying to break through some type of a ceiling, I yeah. guess. It's I, I don't know how to explain it. it. It's just like, you know, you don't want to plateau. You don't want to, but there's, you know, that there's like only so far you can go uh, within your, uh, what should I say, like your. <laughs> your moral comfort zone. Oh as yeah, as an artist, comfort zone is, I think, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but that I with me personally, I find that my comfort zone it, like it keeps growing. Yeah, like like there's things that I'm doing now that mm-hmm. if you would have told me four years ago, I'd have been like, yeah, fuck that, that's bullshit. You don't yeah. got to do that. And now I'm like, <laughs> I better fucking do this, or else nobody's gonna come yeah. to the show. Which like, it's it's so tough because it's one of those areas I feel like for me lately that is a gray area of like, is this something that I truly want to do, or am I being made to feel like I want to do it? by some people who are trying to make money off of me. Like I've, I had a conversation with Harrison the other day about Facebook advertising uh-huh. and it's so troubling to me because in one breath I'll be like, God, it's so frustrating that I am being made to feel like I have to get my name out there by a corporation. Like Facebook is, you know, every time you make a post on a page, Facebook is like, Oh, well here's how many likes you could have gotten if you gave us $5. Uh-huh. And it's like turning, your own neuroses about people caring about you into profit for their corporation. And it's the same shit happening everywhere. I mean, like, you know, I feel like, uh, um, I feel uglier and a lot of people feel uglier because it's profitable for a lot of different or, you know, for I'll pay for a gym membership. People pay for makeup, people pay for this and that. And it's like, it behooves them to make us feel like shit about ourselves. And so that's something that I just hate. Like it bugs the hell out of me. But then at the same time, I'm like, yeah, there's a part of me that once if I make something I'm proud of, yeah, I want someone to look at it. Exactly. And I just don't want it to like be turned on overdrive by these, you know, by companies that want to make a buck off of it. So it's it's something that I never really had to grapple with until recently. I mean, 
I realized lawn care didn't like come together to be a band until about a year ago. Like that was the first time we ever did anything as a group. And before that, it was like a trifle. I mean, I wrote songs and I enjoyed it. And I played shows and stuff, but I never thought about spending more than like, I, I guess a good illustration was like before that, I probably spent 90% of my time as like an artist or a musician writing music or performing music. Now the time that I put into this project is probably 25% writing and record writing and performing music. The other 75% is like making Facebook posts, talking to my band, organizing band practices, setting up shows. Totally. Fucking I made like a fucking spreadsheet recently yeah. for the band. Like it's yep. an, you know and and it's wrapped up in like becoming an adult and all this other shit and it gets really messy. It's it's not like a bad thing. Um I'll tell you I mean it's it's a weird thing cuz I think about how my output was years ago versus what it is now. But also I feel like in the long run, I'm doing a lot of cooler things now. Yeah. Like over time it starts to pay off and you kind of get into this cycle, but it's like still, it's like, I don't really know if I, I don't like this, but it is, I guess for lack of a better word, it's working. Like mm -hmm. I'm getting opportunities and doing things that I wouldn't have if I wasn't taking this route Yeah, or, you know, being this meticulous about making sure things are posted Yeah. Well, you've been at it a lot longer than I have. And I imagine that it's the sort of thing, and, and tell me if I'm wrong, but in my mind, your compass for what you actually want and what you're actually enjoying gets more finely tuned as you keep doing it. Oh, totally. You know, like the first year you're involved with making music and like putting it out there and like kind of the businessy side of things it, i imagine it's got to be a lot harder to tell than when you've been doing it for you know five years six years a decade that, whatever you know for me personally it was kind of like this blissful ignorance at first you know because it was it wasn't it was something that was you know new to me and new to my like close circle sure you know so everybody's like oh like Brian, Brian, Brian's making rap songs. Like, what is this? So, yeah. you know, you kind of thrive off that for a bit. And then, like, I'm playing shows and I'm meeting new people. And it was, like, really, really cool. And then it kind of, like, stopped. You know, like, your friends kind of – it's not that they stop caring, but they're yeah. not going to come see you all yeah. the time mm -hmm. every time you play a show. And then, then it was like, oh, okay, now I need to figure out how to – get my stuff out to other people. Mm -hmm. And this was like in the middle of like that, like my space to Facebook transition where social media was in this weird thing. And you had like a demographic of people using one platform and another, it did not and nobody was like, you know, and, and, and a lot of people too, weren't using social media at that time, the way that they use it now. Mm -hmm. The yeah. biggest thing that I've noticed now is like when I started, um, like we'll say like like when MySpace was going on, you know, I would be pushing myself out there a lot and normal people weren't putting themselves out there. Yeah. You know, because yeah. they, they, they just, they, whatever, I, I'm, 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 I live life. Mm -hmm. But now you have somebody that isn't a artist or a creator using as much time and space on the internet as you just posting pictures of what they had for lunch, yeah. <laughs> you know, reblogging some Huffington Post article, like they're clogging up the internet with just as much, if not more than what you're trying to use as an artist. Yeah. And that is the biggest hurdle now is just that your post, everything kind of gets 
put into one one place. You know, like when you had MySpace and there was MySpace music and then Facebook existed, but it was for like people in school. Mm-hmm. And now like everything is kind of like bottlenecked to just Facebook. Yeah. That's for a the good most point. part. Yeah. So everybody's trying to get their thing out through one platform. And yeah. it's not like you have the casual person that's like, oh, like I want to go check out my MySpace music page today and see what bands are – what's going on with all these bands. It's just like I'm going to go on Facebook and I'm distracted by Donald Trump. I'm distracted by this funny meme, blah, blah, blah. And like, oh, Cameron put out a new song. But <laughs> another problem too is that – I'm ranting and I apologize. No, it's okay. But it's okay. another thing is that the way people digest media on the internet now is a huge problem for – musicians because you know they're on their phone Mm -hmm. they're not like sitting at a desktop computer where they can push play and they have a steady internet connection and maybe they can like listen to your song Mm -hmm. you know it's like i'm on the bus or i'm walking down the street and i'm just scrolling while i'm going in between work on a break or something like oh cameron put out a new song but you know i'm on work break and i'll have my headphones i'm in the car i'm i can't check it out maybe i'll hit like but I'm not going to listen to the song. Yeah. I'll try to remember to. You know, it's just like getting people to engage with media and the way people digest it now is like a heavily, like not even scale by any means. Yeah, it, it's fundamentally different. I think that one of the things that you're touching on is that that like realm of, of human interaction occupies a much broader part of our lives now where i mean and part of it is i i don't know how much of this is just the way that we use technology when we were younger or what you know i mean it's certainly different now but it is like it's not a signal to noise ratio thing it's not just that there's like there's there's just as many bands as there used to be and now um like a good number of them like aren't worth paying attention to. I think that there are so many more good bands than, you know, like the bar for, for like recording music is so much lower. It's so much easier now to make something that's really polished and really good. And like, you know, I I think it's hard for me to even talk about. I feel like snow blind because I'm so like everyone I know is a musician, like, and, and it's a selection bias thing. So like I'll have the, the, the experience where I'll get on Facebook there, this happened a co- like I don't know a month or two ago where I got on Facebook and the top the first ten things not exaggerating ten things were all I made this song look at it I made this record look at it and it was all music and it was all new and it was all my friends <laughs> and I was like holy god how how can I physically like how can I care as much about each of these things as much as I really should mm-hmm. I can't you you can't. It's really hard to keep up with everyone else's, quote, hustle when you're trying to do your own. Yeah. You know, you only have so much free time in a day. Mm -hmm. As a human being, you have 100 Mm percent and that's all you got. So you got to figure out how you're going to divide that up and what's going to go where, you know? Yeah, it's exhausting. That's that's the the adjective that I fall back to so often is it's just it's exhausting and I think that, again, it's that frustration that, like, someone's benefiting. So, you know, like, some Zuckerberg is benefiting off of my exhaustion yeah. with this thing. And that, that makes you me know, feel You know, I, I, I honestly personally don't find that the, um, like, the sponsored ad thing, I, I don't, I've, I did do it for a while. Mm-hmm. I experimented with it. And ultimately, I decided that it wasn't worth it. 
Um, I have found that regardless if your content is sponsored or not, if you put out good content, yeah, it will pick up traction. And I think that that's another thing that kind of a lot of people, um, a lot of people I'm thinking I ca- I kind of caught myself doing this or using the sponsored thing or their posts not getting the engagement that they're expecting as an excuse for them just kind of putting out mediocre content. Sure. You know, uh because I'm always under the impression like you know, I have posts going and like some get attention and some and like some doesn't get attention. I'm just like, "Oh, well nobody even probably fucking saw it." blah yeah. blah 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 because of whatever. But whatever. then like like say like a podcast link, you know, like something with someone yeah. but then you know the the Matt Very podcast dropped mm-hmm. and the numbers were through the roof sure and it's just like you know i post this on the same platform the same way the other ones go yeah and it was but a lot bigger. this was just something that people saw and wanted to listen to mm-hmm. maybe i just need to accept the fact that the episode before that or whatever just wasn't a big deal sure people weren't interested that makes sense i think i definitely think you're right about that and i do think if you look at the people who do well it's the for the most part there's a really good correlation between how good their content is and how much people want to pay attention for sure um i think this isn't like a fully formed thought so and i i i I hesitate to articulate it because I think it could come off as like kind of shitty, but I think that there's like this, the thing that is um, frustrating or exhausting to me isn't even necessarily just about like paying Facebook, but it's about this like, I feel a sensation or, or a push from outside forces to extinguish modesty in a way where it's like, if you, if you aren't trying very hard to get people to pay attention to you, like you, I think you, you said something earlier about like keeping up. Yeah, that's the thing that I'm like, it feels like we're in this race that I never felt before, you know, and I do think I mean, like I said, part of it is is bias for me because I'm like just older now and I never you know, that wasn't something you worried about when you were in high school or whatever. But I do think that there is like and I I just it's like I can see it like little glimpses out of the corner of my eye of like to, to like make something that's really good and then not worry about promoting it whether that's paying Facebook or just putting it up or telling people or doing something. And it's like this, this creep of, of economic thinking. Like it, it would be bonkers. Like think about if a movie studio made a $20 million movie and then didn't promote it. Yeah. That's yeah. doesn't make sense. But if I spend $0 writing a song, why should I give a shit about, uh, uh, you know, getting more likes on Facebook or whatever. So that's, that's what I think it really is, is it's like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that, you know, another problem too is kind of the, the reactions, um, that you get in like, like the engagement that you get on a a post online and (laughs) assuming that that's a direct representation of your, uh, of like how people acknowledge you. Because I catch it all the time. Like, you know, I'll run into people with shows or just out and about like, hey, I saw that thing and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like narcissistic enough to know that that person didn't like any of my posts. Mm -hmm. But I'm seeing them in person and they are acknowledging that they saw it and they enjoyed it and blah, 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 blah. So like the the, what the amount, like the numbers that you see on the Internet are really only a small percentage of who you're reaching to. Like, even if that, you know, that podcast that whatever, 
you know, that wasn't that very, you know, it didn't get the engagement that I wanted, but, you know, maybe still those people that did listen to it were really into it. And that's yeah, fine. Definitely. You know, I still, I'm not, I don't do any of the shit that I do for engagement. I just want people to know that it's there and it exists. And people yeah. do know that it exists. You just kind of have to, I think, step outside of the internet. Go, especially if you're like a, an artist or in a band, go to shows that aren't your own fucking shows. Yeah. Meet people, say hi to people, just be involved in the quote scene, mm -hmm. and the scene will be involved in you. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's the mentality that it is. It's the 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 loving mentality and not the fear mentality. Like that's been my big kick lately. Is like really, I really truly feel like all emotions boil down to love or fear. That's I mean, it's like sure. some real you know simplistic thinking shit but i do think that that, that there's a, a way in which that's true and i that's that's maybe what it is is i'm like it frustrates me that i don't have the capacity to love that i wish i did in you know supporting everybody around me as much you know and then also the fact that i feel that like growing fear of like oh no do people not give a shit about me and sure. like you know what i mean that's what i do think at the end of the day it all comes back to that shit you know well i think that the thing that you should keep in mind is that it's there's a good chance that if you're feeling that way, a majority of the people in your peer group oh, are feeling yeah. the same way. Well, that's that's why I think <laughs> that's why I call attention. I'm just using Facebook as an example, and that's I mean it's a lot broader than that. But that's what I think is so frustrating is it is that like it's everywhere, and I like I see other people experiencing that. You know what I mean? And it's like I don't know. I, I just I, I guess it just feels fundamentally unhealthy, and maybe it's not. Maybe I'm like an old guy, like oh, the social media. Yeah, I don't like, think I don't social know. media is unhealthy. You know, what I mean, I'm not, I, yeah, I, I'm not saying all social media is yeah, unhealthy. Yeah, and, and I, I I would be like, I think it'd be very hypocritical to talk. It's like to talk down on social media on a podcast. Yeah, that I know, right? Engaging with <laughs> via social media, you yeah, know, through the internet, like thanks to this technology, we're able to you know have these discussions and share them with our peer group and their friends and yeah. the people listen to the show. It's pretty wild. Mm -hmm. And it's I cool. listen to the show. I don't know if I was going to, I don't know if I'm showing my hand here, but I like, I listen to the show. It's cool. Good. Well, yeah. It's, I'm glad that you're listening to the show and other people listen to the show. This like, this was kind of something that honestly started out of these feelings of mm -hmm. me feeling like I'm not connecting enough with mm -hmm. the other creators in the city. You know, yeah. I'm caught up in my own bubble. What can I do to like, bring more attention to other people and just open this dialogue. There's a lot of people doing a lot of cool stuff, but well, you don't get this in a Facebook post. Like, you know, you don't, you can't have this conversation without like some convoluted fucking mm -hmm. uh, thread of comments. Well, I think one of the things I'm like podcast junkie, like number goddamn one. I like, it's, I just, I, I, <laughs> I go through podcasts like you would not believe. And everyone in my life will attest to that. Um, I think that the idea of sitting down with someone for a one-on-one -on -one conversation with or without microphones is a fundamentally like loving act where you are, you are like, you, the very act of sitting down and having a conversation with somebody and like actually having a conversation, not a lecture, not a, you know, anything yeah. like that. The, it's, it's this, like you're, you're, you're lowering the power dynamic. You, you know, you, you, you are kind of abandoning it in a lot of ways. You were like embracing egalitarian, being egalitarian and, and that sort of thing. And you're, you're, you're validating them just by, by listening to what they have to say and having that kind of like equal back and forth. And that's powerful and it feels good. You know, it feels good in a way that, um, 
is fundamentally different from the way a like on Facebook feels. I, I want to oh. get off the social media shit. We've, we've harped on that like mad, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that that that's a super important thing to do. And that it's the same thing going to somebody's show, going and, and seeing somebody's show, like your presence there makes them feel good and it'll make you feel good. Yeah. And it's just, it's yeah. There's like nothing that fucking like fires me up more than like being at a show, mm-hmm. local show. And you know, there's like a couple bands. It's like, who, who's this? Yeah. And then they play, and you're just like, who are you? <laughs> just like people that you've never met that are making really awesome music. I just had that, to- like, yesterday. Yeah? Yeah. Not at a show, but do you know Reed Maget? No. I don't know if I'm saying his last name right, but I played a show with them, tiny, one of the smallest shows I've ever played. It was a local show. It was, like, three solo performers. Like, nobody was there, but we had a really good time. And played a, he, he played a fantastic set. I, I think he, I don't know. They played a fantastic set. And um, so then I was booking a show at Spider House for next week, and I, I hit them up. I was like, do you want to play? And they're like, yeah. So when I was going to put the band camp on the event page, I, like, Googled Reed, Maget, Bandcamp, and I listened to the record, and I was like blown away. I was like, "This is like, this is the." It came out in 2012. I'm like, "This is the best record of 2012." <laughs> this is how did I not know about that? And it was one of those things where I'm like, "This is a dude that like I met, and he, he, you know." And so I sent him a Facebook message and just said like, "Your record is incredible." And his response was like, "Yeah, I, I got shittier since then. I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I think that was like a pretty direct quote." Yeah. And I was like damn, this dude is, like, shredding, and, like, I had no idea, and it just, it, it was very humbling and very cool. You know, um, um, I have this conversation way too fucking much with people about, shut up, phone. <laughs> I have this conversation too much with people about, is Pittsburgh really as small as people say it is? Mm. Like, sure, you know, it's a small city. We have, you know, a bubble of people that we know. You know, and it's not a huge bubble. You know, we all have, you know, those 50, 100, 200 mutual friends on Facebook. Mm -hmm. But then things like that happen. Yeah. Where there's those things that come through the crowd. Like, where are you? There are so many people hiding in own little corners and Mm -hmm. pockets and things that you don't know about people doing things. And there's always something to discover if you're putting yourself out there. I think, I think if I lived in a bigger city, I, I love living in Pittsburgh. I'm like the biggest fan of the city you're going to meet. I couldn't keep up with a bigger city. I, yeah. Small world like situation. I was in St. Louis like two years ago and saw this band at a bar and they're really good. It was the go to beds. Oh, nice. And I was like, I had never seen them, never heard of them. I was like, where are you guys from? They're like, we're from Pittsburgh. And I was like, no kidding. What, like, I am like similar kinds of music, like DIY, you know, punky rock music. And I was like, where are you guys, what part of the city you live in? I'm thinking, like, maybe they live in, you know, maybe they're saying they're from Pittsburgh, but they live in like Monroeville or Johnson. Sure, sure. They're like, oh, Bloomfield. I was like, I live in fucking Bloomfield. Like <laughs> they were, they lived like two streets away from me, or like some of them did. It's like I've never heard of you guys, never seen you. We we had no mutual context. That's what really blew me away. Not that I hadn't heard of a band in Pittsburgh, but that we had no overlapping social circle. It made no sense to me. But it's all that's like there. Yeah, I remember I went to a local music video showcase at Brillo Box mm-hmm. that Mike Siemens from Mind Cure. Okay. He put together, this was maybe like two years ago now at this point. Um, but I was like, cool, like, I want to go, you know, 
this thing. I was like, I mean, there was a Facebook event for it. Sorry to keep bringing up the, the <laughs> no, F no, word. But good. that's just how integrated this shit is. Yeah, exactly. There it's... was a Facebook event, you know, for this thing. It didn't say what music videos were playing, but I was looking at the attending list and I didn't know, not mutual friends with any of them. Yeah. And there's like over 100 people. I'm like, well, I'm going to check this out. And I went and I watched like two hours of music videos. And that's a lot of music. That's a lot of music. And there was yeah. only like a few artists that i even knew who they were it's um it's a and this was like not even just like good music this is like these were like well-produced videos from like local directors and like these teams yeah Yeah. people like (laughs) like oh my god it was like one of the most inspiring things it was just like you know you think you have a good grip on the local music scene and then you go to some shit like that and it's like there's no you don't you don't fucking know anything until you start going to events where you don't know anybody. I think yeah. that's another problem too with a uh, a lot of people, you know, they don't want to go to a show unless they know a group of people that are going to be there. Like, yeah. like a, I'm kind of a lone wolf. You know, I could go to things by myself. I'll go to the movies by myself. I'll go out of town for a week by myself. I have no problem going to a local show by myself. And that's yeah. what allows me to like discover so much. I think, I think you are in the minority. I'm yeah. not saying it's a bad thing, but I, yeah, I, uh, I think that every, most people that I know have enough low grade or not so low grade anxiety that that's like, I mean, I, when I first moved to Pittsburgh, I didn't know a soul here. I knew one person and it was Max who used to run 222 arms speed oh, like, nice. on the Otis Wolves. Yeah. Met him in Wisconsin just by fluke, you know? And, uh, that was the only person I knew in Pittsburgh. So I'm like, well, okay, I'll start going to Ormsby. And I didn't know anybody there. And I, I went to shows there for like months and didn't make, I like just didn't meet anybody. I mean, I like met people kind of passively, but you know, it's hard to make friends as a grown up. It's weird. <laughs> uh, yeah. And so it took me like forever. And then, you know, once I met one person, I met Jackson, you know, Jackson. <laughs> that, that's a good person to meet. You meet Jackson. You, you immediately <laughs> meet like, there's, there's just some people like that. Like Harrison was the same way. Once yeah. I met Harrison, you, it, you know, you're friends with Harrison day one, and then you meet like 30 other people uh-huh. in the next hour. So, you know, once that happened, but I remember that first summer when I lived here, I went to, I mean, I didn't have anything else to do. I was living at home, you know, I was like home from college and I would go to five shows a week. And I mean, I saw, I, I, I saw so much amazing music. It was, you know, I, I, I have a stack of CDs still from that summer. Cause I would like you know, see all these really great bands and buy their stuff. And but it was very terrifying, and I, I don't know if I have it in me to, like, I mean, more power to you. I wish I did. There's the, you know, there's every part of me really wishes I could just go to a show where I don't know anybody, you know? Yeah. And I'll do it when I'm out of town, because I'm like, I'm never seeing these people again, but some about, yeah, it's tough. I think it's hard. Yeah, I think that, I don't know. I It's kind of weird, because I was, I don't know. I was really, I didn't have a whole lot of friends growing up, and whenever I even started, like, doing music, it was just, like house shows for my friends Mm -hmm. and uh it was like me getting into like the local music scene was super weird because i just didn't really know where i fit and i didn't know anybody i was playing like hip-hop showcases that were very like not where i should have been sure as a content creator but i met a lot of great people through that who Mm -hmm. i'm still friends with today yeah and then uh I think, like, the biggest breakthrough was, like, the first time I played a, for lack of a better word, like, a rock show. It was, like, some, like, crappy, like, high school hardcore show Mm. as a rapper. 
Okay. You know, because there was a time when like Sykes was the only thing I was doing, and I yeah. didn't have a band. It was like mm-hmm. that was just it. You'll turn heads. Yeah, doing and that plan- and like yeah. that was just like whoa. And then like I made a whole new group of friends, like the people in those bands, yeah. and then like. They then those kids in those bands were just like, hey, you know, you want to play a show? And like, I just made a whole new demographic people. And I got like so removed from the local hip hop scene that I was like, ah, crap, I should probably (laughs) try to get more involved in that again. Yeah. But I think that, you know, having a project that allows you to do different things kind of helps. But that doesn't help somebody that isn't a content creator and someone who's just going to shows to go to shows. Yeah. Well, that's that's one of the other things when we were talking about like, it seems to me that everybody's a content creator. That's what I think you were touching on with like people taking pictures of their food and stuff. But even talking about music or art or whatever, it's one of those things where, uh, yeah, I, I know so many people that make art. I don't know. I, it's the thing. I don't really know too many people that don't do something. And I don't know if that's a result of just like, the people that I decide to surround myself yeah. with subconsciously. I think, I think it's gotta be that. Cause when I, that's like when I go into my office for work, I mean, there's a lot of like people who there's, I don't know. I know not even a lot. There's probably a half dozen people in my office of a hundred people that play guitar. You know what I mean? Yeah. And thinking about that compared to my friend circle, it's, I'm like, no, it's definitely selection bias. It's definitely just my circle that makes me think that everybody on earth is an artist, I think. Yeah. And like, I, in like a, not even in a, uh, nose in the air, like I'm so much better than you kind of way. But whenever I meet new people and I'm like, so like, what do you do? And it's just kind of like, if I get like a nothing response, I just feel like, like, I don't really have any interest in, like, getting to know them more or, like, being around them. Yeah. I mean, granted, if they're, like, a nice person, like, you know, I meet people, like, friends of friends out at the bar and stuff like that. I'm like, hell yeah, you know, we'll throw back some beers and I'll bullshit about whatever, like, movie or whatever. But mm-hmm. those aren't, like, never people that I usually decide to, like, bring, like, into my circle on a level that's, like. But then again, I think that just might be because I don't have time to just really i don't yeah. have like, free time to socialize like if, not, if i'm at a bar it's probably because i just played a show next door or something mm-hmm. and i'm there just like winding down or something yeah on these couple hours so i keep joking lately that i'm post people like i just don't <laughs> if i if i see somebody like i it that's is a good <laughs> that's a good uh genre <laughs> post people <laughs> it's like if if i see somebody for a purely social like the amount of scheduling that that takes totally is unbelievable. You yeah. know what I mean? I, I think I've, I, there are, I can count on both hands, the number of people that I will make time for, at least locally. Like if I have a friend in from out of town, I'll make time. It, you know, it works out, but like to like, just go like hang out with somebody that so rarely happens. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I mean, part of that too is like growing up. I'm just like, my priorities are changing. It's not as important to me to, go out every night anymore but it's actually why i i was living in the south side for a bit yeah and i kind of started to i caught myself getting caught in this cycle of Mm -hmm. the same people that hang out at these every other night they're like hey you know like what are you doing we're all out and it's just like okay well you know it's like 11 o'clock i guess i worked on stuff for a little bit i can come out for a drink like i'll work on some stuff when i get back Mm -hmm. didn't happen just drinking myself into oblivion every other fucking night yeah like it was it was a mess Mm -hmm. i mean granted nothing like horrible ever happened but it was still it got to this point where it's like i need to like live somewhere where nobody can just like 
where I'm not walking distance from all of my friends having fun. Yeah. Like, you know, it's a, it's like a total game changer for sure. I, yeah, I, I think I, the, the story that you're telling resonates with me quite a bit where I'm like, if I look where I was at a few years ago, just not really getting anything done, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like not accomplishing anything. Um, I've I've told this before podcasts are like really close to my heart, uh, for a lot of reasons. But one of them is I like do like there are a couple podcasts and like just where you would, I'll listen to like interview after interview with successful people. And I think I like started internalizing that a little bit where I'm like just these kind of mindsets that people go at life with, like hearing all these different, like really in-depth conversations with different people and like thinking about life in different ways. And there was uh, an interview, I think it was on the, it was the Nerdist, Chris Hardwick talking to Arnold Schwarzenegger of all people. (laughs) And like the dude, I mean, you know, one of the things that he said that really was important to me was he was saying something along the lines of if you're used to working four hours in a day, eight hours feels like forever. But if you're used to working 16 hours in a day, eight hours feels like vacation. So you just have to get used to working 16 hours a day on whatever it is you're working on. You know, if you just do that, if you acclimate to being really, really busy, it just becomes normal to you. And I think it's that same thing where you're talking about living in the South side. If you're kind of resting or like the status quo for you is, you know, you're spending four hours a night just goofing off with your friends. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but if you try and change and work 16-hour days, it's going to feel like a marathon. Whereas if you're used to working those 16-hour days, going out for your friends with your friends for four hours is like a oh, rager. Yeah. It's unbelievable. <laughs> yeah. I, that's a, yeah. I think that there's a lot to be said about you know saving those sort of events for times when it's like it actually means something and mm-hmm. it's not just – wasting time yeah. you know I've, i'm at a point now where like i my life revolves around google calendar and if i have like less than 20 things in my to-do list for that day i'm like oh, okay today's gonna be easy <laughs> do, you, do you get anxiety <laughs> when you don't have a lot of like a booked calendar i don't remember the last time i didn't have <laughs> anything but the thought of that i don't even think that would be a thing because no. there's like i have lists of like just ideas on mm. the back burner of the same heart of the same heart, Brian, <laughs> you know? So yeah. if, if something like, that's the thing is like, why well, I, I never get like jagged about somebody blowing off plans or something falling through. I mean, if it's something I was really looking forward to, I'm like, oh, fuck. Yeah. But it's always like, well, on to the next thing. It's not. So you just move up your calendar. You yeah, never, yeah. Yeah. Just move on to gotcha. the next thing. If I finish everything that like I had to do in a day, I like look at the next day and I'm yeah, like, you start what can that. I get a head start on? Yeah. What can I work on? Do you, do you, um, how do I put this? Do you, are you cognizant that you have that mindset like in the moment to moment? Yeah. Cool. I think, yeah, that's, I don't think everyone is like that. And I think that it's one of those things where I, I, I feel like sometimes I can lose sight of like, am, it's that same thing. Am I busy because I want to be busy or am I busy because it's habit? And I think that's a very important question. There, there's every once in a while I will, like, especially on a day when like, say like I have 50 things on my calendar mm-hmm. and I'm like looking at it and I'm like, okay, like I have to think about like what, um, there was this actually I was listening to a podcast once with someone who was like this really busy person talking about how they prioritize things mm-hmm. and 
they had this thing, and I forget what it was called. They had like a special name for it. But basically, it was just like these three things that are kind of like you pick like the three things that are most important to you, you know? And if you're worried about or you're trying to do something that isn't directly related to one of those things and you're letting it stress you out to Mm -hmm. a point that like, you know, it's putting you in a bad mood or it's like actually disrupting one of those three things in your pyramid or whatever, then Mm -hmm. why are you doing it? That's a a good way of thinking about it. You know, so I'll like kind of like go through the list if it's overwhelming. What are your three things? Uh, Sorry, I don't know if I was interrupting <laughs> a grand point, but um, I mean, I don't. It's it's kind of just like I'd say like content creating is like one thing in general. Mm-hmm. Uh, friends and social life is the other, and I think it's more or less those two. I don't really have three. Okay, it's kind of like if it's not gonna benefit me. Or, like, benefit me creatively or personally, or I'm not doing something to benefit somebody who I'm close with in some sort of a way, then, you know, why am I doing this? Like, sure. Ugh. Yeah. So I'll just kind of go through the list and be like, you know, this isn't even fucking important. And I'll either just, like, move it to a week from now, or just if it's something that I've noticed has, like, gotten flushed through a couple times, like, it's like, you know, two weeks ago, I moved <laughs> this two weeks forward. It's just like, Either write it down. I have like a notebook. Like write it down in the notebook, and maybe I'll look at it a year from now, <laughs> or just completely delete it. Yeah, there's only so much I can do mm. with my 100. percent Yeah, exactly. I mean, that's there's it's the great equalizer. Everyone only has 24 hours in the day. It doesn't matter. Yeah, everyone only has 24 hours. So that's uh, it's. I think that is like a great deep down existential question that everybody has to face in one way or another. There's a lot of existential questions. I think you can get off the hook. You don't have to think about death every day. You yeah. Don't, you don't have to think about, you know, a lot of those things, the nature of reality. You don't have to think about that ever if you don't want to. You got to think about time. There's no getting around it. You have to choose mm-hmm. what you do with your day. Yeah. And you can do whatever you want with your day. You know, I have friends that are totally cool with just, you know, being on PlayStation all day. Yeah. And like they're, they probably have happier, healthier lives than I do. Yeah. That's <laughs> like, and they're, they're, they're stoked. You know, if people that are just, you know, really into, you know, they're keeping up with TV shows or mm-hmm. just other things. And it's just like, I can't do that. I, it's just, I, and yeah. I have like an interest in all that stuff yeah. too. You know, I played a ton of video games growing up. I love movies. It's super hard for me to just like sit down and focus on anything now though, just because my brain's always thinking about <laughs> like, I just want to keep creating and working on stuff. Genuinely, it's not yeah. even like a... I mean, I'll stress myself out over it, but I'm stressing myself out because it's like, that's what I want to be doing. Yeah. That's, I think, why I asked if it stress you stresses you out when you get like any free time, which you said you don't. Um, because there is... I, I, like I said, a lot of the things you're saying resonate with me very much. And I think that that's something I've been struggling with is thinking, is that a character flaw? Like we, we talk about like being productive as being good and important. But like you said, I know people who spend a lot of time doing nothing and it doesn't bother them at all. And maybe they're all the better for it. I don't know. I don't know. Well, I mean, you figure maybe you can relate to this, but it's like the majority of the time that you spend is doing things that nobody's ever going to notice. Yeah. You know, oh my God, you're yeah. happy doing it. You know, it's like, you know, I, if I'm, you know, spending two weeks editing a music video, you know, people were going to 
watch it for four minutes and be like, oh, okay, that's cool, cool yeah. video. But, you know, they're not, like, thinking about, like, oh, wow, you know, Brian worked really hard on that. It's just, mm-hmm. like, a video. But I just had fun, like, working on it for those two weeks. And, yeah. like, I honestly don't even – it's, like, it's done and I put it out. And I'm, like, that's great. But for me, it's, like, so much more the process than, like, even – getting people to engage with it. I just like love doing it. And then yeah. I just move on to the next thing. And I, I mean, I hope people care. Yeah. Uh, I was going to, I don't want to like guess. First of all, I don't want to make this like a press tour for the record, but Oh yeah. It's we, like, yeah. Close, yeah. Know. We should talk about the record. No, I, 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 was like, <laughs> I mean, I think, I think the best podcasts are the ones where you don't even talk about. Like, yeah. I don't, I wasn't going <laughs> to get into, it. I was just going to say, these are thoughts that a lot of the record is about. Um, and, um, I, I, I plan on like putting out an essay when I put out the album, uh, just kind of talking about this sort of thing. And that's one of, when you're talking about like the creative process, um, I think that there is a compulsive quality to creation and they're, they are highs. They are highs of a sort where, um, when you, when you sit down and you, you start with like, a, I don't know exactly how you start making up a, a product, a piece of music, but it's if you like, always sit different, down, you know? yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you sit down and you come up with like a guitar riff and you're like, Whoa, that's cool. Like that's the first high. And then you like figure out another one. That's another high. You put them together. That's another one. You finish the song. That's a high. You perform it in its entirety for the first time in front of people you get a high, you, you record it every little bit you record, you feel really good. And it's just these, like these, you're every single time you're just getting a little rush. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, I think that that compulsive quality that I think leads, I, I can't speak for you, but for me, one of the things that keeps me so busy is it is, I I'm going to be compulsive about one thing or another. If it's not, you know, it's, if it's not drinking, then it's going to be, um, being busy and working on stuff. And so if you can channel that energy, and that's what I really think it is fundamentally is energy into something that is healthy and productive and brings you balance and and that sort of thing. Um, then that's what I, I really think is happening when you're doing that, when you're engaging in the creative process is you're just directing your energy into something that is rewarding to you in like a, a good sustainable way. Um, and, that's it's I think it is like just a fundamental quality of of people or at least a lot of people um and and that it's something that that's that's what keeps me coming back anyway and I think if you talk to almost anyone who does creative stuff it's that same thing you get you get a rush when you you write the first couplet of a poem you get another one when you finish the poem you know uh-huh I've I remember I was I've have a few photographer friends and one day I was with a couple of them uh letting them shoot at my work because uh, we, like, have this, like, warehouse, and there's just, like, all these cool spots. And I was just kind of basically just, like, hanging out, mm-hmm. watching them work, and just, like, seeing, like, like, they would shoot something and look at it, and then you see this look on their face, yeah. like, yeah, like that, like, that was the shot. It was just, like, I was just having a blast, like, watching them, like, just, like, like do all these, like, crazy weird things and climbing up on stuff to just to get this, like, vision that they have in their head and whenever they capture it, mm-hmm. that, like, look on their face. Like, I was like, I could watch this shit all day. Think about Matt Vary. Oh, yeah. Think about, like, you know, you, you were talking about him earlier and I, I listened to the podcast with him, you know, that you did with him. And I... It, Whenever you talk to him about his job, or at least every time I've talked to him about his job, he will frequently be like, oh, this, you know, so, like, uh, my day was exhausting today for whatever reason. But you got to imagine that guy gets to, like, make people's dreams come true, you know? Like, oh, yeah. He gets to see that look day in and day out, or, like, every every session that he does. Um, 
Yeah, I think that that's really like uh, that's that's got to be like so rewarding. Oh yeah, he loves it. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, that's that's like what a what a what a career like that. That's that's a job perk. I think <laughs> you know, yeah. being able to to yeah. I've said this before. Um, I've I would like gladly probably trade in a lot of the albums that I own. If in turn I could just get like a DVD footage of like <laughs> studio footage of them recording and yeah. just like seeing the way like different production techniques and stuff work. Cause I just get like obsessive with certain albums, just like mm. really digging in and just thinking about like, how was this written? How was this recorded? Yeah. What instrument is that? Is that a synthesizer? Where are we at? Oh my God. I think it cut off again. Maybe. Let's see. Let's zoom out. Uh, That's not too bad. Yeah, hopefully not. Whatever. <laughs> Anyways. I like music. Yeah. You like music too. The That's um great. let's let's wrap up because we we've we've surpassed an hour. Okay. I got all the time in the world, but I understand <laughs> we both got places to well, be. Well, it's not even that. It's just I find that the longer episodes tend to not do as well. Yeah, I gotcha. I uh, gotcha. People just don't go through them. Yeah. It's and this, a, it, this it, has been a great talk, though. Yeah, yeah. No, I appreciate um, it. I want to say you just kind of were touching base on the Lawn Care album and mm-hmm. like what some of the songs were about. And I want to say again that you did a really good job on the album. Thank you. And one of the things that probably stood out to me the most about the album was just like how relatable a lot of the subject matter was and mm-hmm. how like every song has a an a, an idea and a, like a cohesive thought and a mm-hmm. story that is told and it's easy for me to keep up with it and that is seems like something that should be simple enough for a songwriter to do but not enough to <laughs> deceptively difficult you know i like uh i don't know i just think that I can really tell that there was a lot of just genuine passion that went into that body of work. Cool. Well, and thank it, you. And it was, I was like, wow. It's, it, um, I, like you said, if you're trying to rap, well, by all means, uh, we can no, rap. You mean, but... if you, hey, spit it. You got some knowledge. Uh, Drop it. <laughs> no, I was just going to say one of the things with the record that was so strange for me was those are like songs from over the course of like four years. Yeah. So it was like recording all those now is like four years later, more mature than I had been when I wrote any of them, I think. That was a very surreal experience. And I, I think that uh, it was... I, I kind of like got to see like there's a lot of the the songs that I kind of disassociated with where you're saying like there's like a story or something I'm like did I really live that life that's wild yeah so, sure yeah um yeah I I mean I even have a couple songs now for the LP that I'm working on that um I wrote they're they're fairly old now that's like a lot of the stuff that I'm working on now is from when I was living in Southside yeah which was kind of just not, like, the best of times. I mean, they were good times, but I had some things to write about. Yeah, definitely. And now I'm like, do I even want to <laughs> do this stuff? But I'm like, these are good songs. Like, yeah, it's, it's like, whereas, like, the story isn't, like, anything that I necessarily want to, like, associate myself with. They're still, like, good stories that I think other people could relate with. And one thing I'm trying to do now is, like, have some sort of like light at the end of the tunnel mm-hmm. in in terms of these stories where yeah. it's like, you know, this is something that's going on, but 
not make it so like grim and all like oh like, yeah I'm living this fucked up crazy life it's just, i want to try to find a way to rework some of it where it's like this was past and like how do I, how find a way to incorporate like reflections of my current self into it to yeah. make it like still relatable with me now mm-hmm. and not feel so awkward talking about yeah things that happened like then I think there's got there's a way to present it and the way I like to think about it is like you're you're it's a piece of your life in amber or like on a microscope slide and I think you have to think about it or I try to think about it and present it as like these are little pieces and here we are now. You know, sure. Looking at it through the microscope. Not living it, not you know. Uh-huh. So yeah. Well, the album, the lawn care album. Is there any sort of a projected release date for any of this stuff, or are you just uh, kind of doing the uh, the thing now, trying to find somebody else that wants to make that decision for you? No, I actually. <laughs> you just reminded me. I was gonna ask someone if I was allowed to talk about this. If that tells you anything, so yeah. <laughs> what I what I will say is it's looking like it's going to come out on a record label on vinyl around May or June. Great. Congratulations. That's yeah. awesome. Thank you. Thank you. So I hope, I don't think I can get in trouble for saying <laughs> that. That was super vague. No. But uh, yeah, just I had a conversation like literally today and that was one of the questions That's that awesome. I, was, I meant to ask is can I like talk about it? But I, I think it's probably fine. Yeah. That's cool. I'm glad somebody picked it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, I mean, this conversation will probably be out before. Is it? Is any of that music out from that album right now, or are we like just you're kind of holding on to all of it, and then they're gonna probably figure out the game plan of how they want to yeah, execute that. releases. I think when I when we talk today, um, basically the impression I get is like maybe six weeks before the record comes out. Sure. Then we'll we'll do like a music video premiere, and then do like maybe premiere one or two more songs, and then drop the record. Um, yeah. So that's looking like the game plan. I I cannot wait to get it out. I'm really really stoked on this. Yeah, record. it's it it's such a pain in the ass how long it takes to uh, get an album out, especially anything that you're putting on vinyl. Yeah, you know, I, I, I mean I hear horror stories of people waiting like a year or two. I'm like I would go. Ma- I would hate that record. Right by... right now, um, if well, I won't, we won't get into all this on recording, but I can <laughs> I can give you some knowledge about that stuff. Cool, so cool. thank you for coming over. Absolutely, thank you so so much for this having me. This has been me. super dope, and we will all be looking forward to that full length. What's the name of it? Uh, it's called Replacement Therapy. That's right. I forgot, but that's right. Yeah. Good name. <laughs> okay. All right. Thanks for coming over. Goodbye. Thanks. <laughs> And that is all, folks. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the conversation. And yeah, Cameron is what a sweet human. Really, really, really like talking to Cameron. I'm pretty sure we could probably record another hour or two. It's just, you know, sometimes I, I enjoy having everybody on the show. But there's just those people every once in a while that I feel like I could probably talk to for like six hours. But I don't think any of you have the time for that. And if you do have the time to listen to six hours of a conversation, why don't you go back and listen to one of the other episodes that I've done. There's over a hundred of them. It's not going to be hard for you to find one to listen to. I guarantee you, you know, at least one other person that I've had on the show. You probably know a bunch, but I promise you, you know at least one person that I have had on the show. 
that's my money back guarantee on the free on this free content that you are enjoying. <sighs> Anyways, shout outs to Cameron and Lawn Care. Be sure to catch them at any shows that are coming up. I'm going to do some digging and some research before I post this. So if there are anything coming up, if there are anything coming up, if there is anything coming up, learn how to talk, Brian. I'll be sure to post some links and just stay up to date with what they're doing. The new album is great. I don't know when the world is going to be able to hear it. But whenever you are able to hear it, be sure to do so. It's great. Um, yeah. So, did I talk about lawn care enough? I think so. Yeah. Um, what else should I talk about? I'll be back again next week with another episode. That seems important, right? Same time, same place, same channel. You know the drill. My name is Sykes. Start the beat. 2016. Woo! Woo! Thanks for listening.